Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Thanks for tuning in today to Let's Talk Portland, Intercom Radio Portland's weekly public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. On the phone this time with Andrew Grover. Andrew is the executive director of Youth Villages, Oregon. Hey there, Andrew. Hi. Thank you for having me. Certainly. Let's get started today by you telling us what exactly is Youth Villages, Oregon. Well, Youth Villages is a nonprofit organization that helps uh, children and families overcome obstacles that they face in, in um, raising uh, their, their children safely and successfully. And why does Youth Villages exist? Well, there are a number of distressing problems in our society that we're aimed at solving. You know, right now, as we sit here, there are 435,000 children in the foster care across the country. Um, about 20,000 of those young people will age out of foster care in the next year and face transitioning to adulthood with very little support. Um, we also know, separate from that, that over 20% of children aged 13 to 18 live every day with a, a mental health condition. And we're, we're seeing all kinds of, of signs that these children are suffering at increasingly alarming rates. Uh, you know, one example of that, a, a study was published not long ago in the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics that talked about the rate of uh, families bringing their children to emergency rooms because of, of uh, an acute mental health crisis that they're experiencing. And uh, in, in the period of time that, that they studied, 2009 to 2015, the frequency of that happening, parents showing up in desperation um, for answers to, to help them with their child had doubled. Um, and and we're, not, we're not seeing any real clear end in sight. So you know, children and families in our society are facing all kinds of hardships. Um, we know that a disproportionate number of these young people are uh, black, Hispanic, and Native American. Um, and, and, you know, this is still another issue that, that needs attention. Um, so our, our organization started in Memphis, Tennessee in the 80s. It has grown um, 
since then to, to be providing services um, to help solve these problems in 14 different states. And um, right here in Oregon, we do that um, through three different programs. Um, but first, it's important to understand the, the, what, the future that we're envisioning. You know, if you think about all of those social problems that I just listed, you know, we believe that the rate of children in foster care can be safely cut in half with the right kind of help to these families. Uh, we, we also believe that, that, you know, we can develop the kinds of interventions that help young people aging out of that system um, so that they can all get the kind of support that they, that they need. Um, and that kids who face mental health and behavioral crisis can have access to the support that they need to stay healthy. So we do that through a few programs that I could describe, but, but that's a, a, a sort of a, a broad uh, explanation of, of why we're here. Okay. And we're talking today with Andrew Grover, Executive Director of Youth Villages, Oregon. Now, Andrew, how long have you been with the organization? Well, I've been a Youth Villages employee since 2011. And uh, I, that happened um, through a merger. Uh, youth Villages um, came to Oregon through a merger with a, a, a nonprofit that had been here since literally the founding of our state. The, the Christie School um, had been providing services here in Oregon since literally 1859, oh, wow. um, helping children who they were, they were originally founded to help children who had uh, gotten lost on the Oregon Trail um, and had evolved into many different kinds of iterations throughout the, the decades and, and ultimately um, merged with youth villages because we wanted to, I was, I was a Christie employee at the time, and uh, we really wanted to figure out how to help families um, in the most effective ways in their homes, in their communities, um, and um, in ways that are impactful. So, so yeah, I've, I've been with Youth Villages since 2011, but that's sort of the, the way we got here. Okay. And in, the, in that time that you've been with it, and, and in, you say that it's kind of started up in the 80s, Youth Villages started up in the 80s, right, and then merged later? Do I have that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's right. Um, in that amount of time, what kind of changes have you seen? Are things getting better? Are things getting worse? Or are we staying the same? What's going on? Well, we see some things that are, are, getting, are getting better, um, and we see some things that are not. Um, you know, one thing that I was encouraged to see uh, or hear from our child welfare director not long ago, our Oregon's child welfare director, um, is that the number of children in foster care in Oregon has declined. Um, and, and we think that, that is, as long as those families are getting the kind of support that they need so that the child does not have to be removed and can stay safely there, that's a good thing. The, 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 removal from your family of origin is a traumatic experience. Um, and, and if we can invest in families, that's, that's to the good. So, so we saw that uh, it's the number of children in foster care is at the lowest level that it's been in, uh, in quite a long time. Um, it's, it's still in Oregon, you know, it's still well above the national average. We've got about 7,000 kids in foster care right now. And that's, you know, quite a bit higher than the national average, but we're seeing things progress. Um, you know, I, I, I wish I could say that the uh, mental health challenges that young people are facing were um, swinging in a, in a positive direction, um, but I, I, I can't say that right now. I think 
we need to continue um, this this effort, and, and these young people need lots of support. And some of the information that you sent me, I, I found this kind of shocking. It says that 20% of youth 13 to 18 live with a mental health condition. 20%. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And and some of those young people are, you know, have have both internal and external kinds of um, supports, and, and they're able to um, kind of cope uh, um, more effectively than others. But, but certainly we're seeing, you know, in growing uh, rates of suicide, suicide attempts, suicidal ideation, um, and other kinds of anxiety and depression disorders that, um, that, that are, are really challenging and painful. Well, how is your approach to working with young people and families unique? Well, there's a couple of things, you know. First, you know, our, our service, our, our interventions. We um, have three programs here in Oregon. Uh, one is called Intercept. It's an intensive in-home support program. And, you know, we basically never ask families to come to us. We um, go to them wherever they are, in their homes, in their schools, in their communities, where the problems that they're facing are playing out. Um, and, and we help them to learn skills and access resources they need to, to do what we think everybody wants to do, which is raise their children successfully. Um, our other program is uh, the LifeSet program, which is for young people aging out of foster care, and it really focuses on jobs, education, housing, skill development, things like that. Um, and our third is uh, called crisis support, um, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, when, when children um, show up in emergency rooms, we have a partnership here in the Portland area with Providence, um, and we do the similar work in, in Bend um, with uh, the county uh, mental health program and uh, St. Charles Hospital to help people, um, help families who show up in emergency rooms resolve the immediate crisis and get connected to a long-term provider. But, but, but so, those, so those are the services. But what makes it unique is a couple of things. One is an unrelenting focus on the impact of what we do. You know, in, in social services, often you'll find the measurement of, of success is how much of what is provided to who. And what, what we really want to know is how are people's lives different because they experienced uh, support from us. So we do things like we follow up with young people and their families for two years after they've completed their um, their their time with us. And we want to know, are you living safely with your family? Are you going to school? Um, are you staying out of trouble with the law? Um, for for um, young adults, you know, we want to know, do you have a job? Do you have stable housing? Um, and, and we're finding that over 80% of the young people that we work with um, are successful by measures like this. Um, the other thing that makes it unique, uh, that makes Youth Villages unique, is we are working every day with families as in all the ways I described, but we also feel an obligation to help reform the system that we operate in. You know, the, the, there's no big secret that, you know, the, the um, systems in Oregon and in many other states that are there to support these families um, are, don't run uh, as effectively as they should. And so we do a lot of advocacy at the system level to, to reform the kinds of um, investments that are made and, and systems that are developed. It's a, that's a big task. 
Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> we've got we've got a high ambition, um, but but you know we've seen some real um, progress in in many of the states that we work with, and and we're hopeful about Oregon. Do you follow any of your clients into adulthood? And I kind of imagine that's what LifeSet is a little bit about. Is that correct? Tell me more yeah, about LifeSet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So LifeSet um, is a, is the program that we've uh, developed that is for um, young adults, and in particular, young adults aging out of uh, foster care. Um, it, it basically it acts as a bridge from foster care to successful adulthood. We're working to help young people get in the driver's seat of their own lives, and, and sometimes it's for the very first time. These, these are, are young adults who lots of people have tremendous compassion for, but that compassion hasn't really materialized into meaningful support and investment. Um, you know, for example, in, in Oregon um, and in many states, uh, the, the, the support that people who are aging out of foster care get is um, is not anywhere near what many of them need. Um, and so, you know, this is something that organizations like ours have to raise significant money for. Um, and, and so, you know, we do that because we, we believe in it. Um, and, you know, we've, we know that it's effective. Uh, you know, we've had uh, life that's been studied as it has intercept by an independent third party um, using a, a randomized control design. That's a lot of wonky words to say, you know, <laughs> it's really heavy research. Yeah, yeah, okay. um, uh, and, and it's shown really meaningful impact long term. You know, th- these are young people who are at some of the highest risk of homelessness, joblessness, domestic violence, um, incomplete education. You know, people aging out of foster care are those members of our community who, you know, need real help, um, and, and we're there to, to help them. You said a little bit ago that you, uh, you don't go seek out families. Families come to you. Is that correct? And how do they, how do they find you and how do they do that? Well, uh, most of the families that we connect with, uh, for intercept, for example, this is our in-home program. They are referred to us through either, um, child welfare caseworkers or through, uh, mental health uh, care coordinators. Oregon has a, in Oregon's Medicaid system has um, managed care companies. They call them CCOs. Some people know them, coordinated care organizations. And and if if you're on Medicaid in Oregon, you generally have a care coordinator. And if you need the kinds of services we offer, they get referred to us. Um, but what I mentioned to you earlier was we go to them in the community. We're not an office-based program. Okay. We'll we're a field-based program. How has the impact of COVID-19 affected Youth Services Oregon? That's a big question. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's something that we're still, we're still learning about, you know. But what I can tell you is some of the near-term things that we're seeing is that, you know, for one, these are young people who have, have, have always, you know, since we've known them, been in some level of crisis. Um, and... This, all of the uncertainty and, and fear and angst and isolation and other kinds of the economic impacts of, of this pandemic um, has, has really exacerbated all of that. You know, we've got youth who had finally gotten to a place where they've got enough connections and resources um, in, their, in their community to start seeing a way forward that's positive for themselves. And then suddenly they're told to 
uh, isolate in their homes for months. And, and it, it, in some cases, has been incredibly difficult to bear. You know, we've had to respond to lots of crisis calls from our families and, and our staff are still, you know, they're essential workers. Our staff are still going out into the field, into families' homes and helping children who are in an acute crisis. You know, they may be um, self-harmful. They may be um, acting out physically, um, you know, really significant um, conflict that, that comes up in some of these families. So those are those are some of the impacts of the of the isolation. We also see, you know, the um, some of the economic impacts. You know, some families are not able to um, meet their own basic needs, and so we're you know we we're suddenly doubling down on how do we figure out how to help them access um, you know food and and other kinds of resources, avoid eviction, things like that. The anxiety of of COVID nineteen in this whole situation is taxing on everybody. And especially, I would imagine, people that have an underlying mental health condition and, and maybe even a substance abuse issue, that this, this is a really tough time. It really is. And, and, you know, I say that, you know, as the director of Youth Villages here in Oregon, but I can also say that as the, you know, I'm the, I ha- also happen to be the chair of the board for NAMI Oregon. And, you know, the conversations and, and, and work that we're doing with NAMI is, is right along these same lines. You know, how are we going to help people who are struggling to cope with, you know, significant mental health issues to begin with, and then are thrust into this, this new world that we live in um, and, and had so many of the resources that they've had taken away. Yeah. In normal times, and of course, normal is in quotes, <laughs> do we ever have real normal times? But in normal times, how do you work with the school systems? It's actually um, one of our key partners in, in all of this work. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, school is the most stabilizing factor in a child's life. And so we want to work to continue to promote that. Sometimes school is a source of tremendous anxiety and concern for a child um, or their family. Um, some, some of these, some of the families that we work with have, um, you know, grown up themselves in, in poverty and, and faced lots of different hardships and have difficulty communicating with their school. So, so, you know, we help them learn how to do that, how to advocate for themselves and their children. Um, but, you know, bottom line, schools are an incredibly important partner in all of this work. And we're, you know, always, you know, we spend lots of time going to school meetings, meeting with teachers, um, guidance counselors, and others um, in, in partnership to, to help these children and their families succeed. Yeah, oftentimes educators, teachers, and principals, and, and staff are, are the closest to these, some of these youth throughout much of the day. So they have yeah. pretty good insight. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we, you know, find a tremendous um, number of really dedicated teachers and other professionals in the school system that are just standing ready to, to help us um, because we, we're able to go into homes. You know, that's one thing that schools don't do and can't do. They're not set up to do. Um, you know, what, what they're doing with children during the day can be supported by what we're um, doing with children and their families in their homes in the evenings and mornings and weekends and other times. We're talking today with Andrew Grover, Executive Director of Youth Villages Oregon, a nonprofit here uh, in the state of Oregon and throughout the United States, right? You guys are across the country. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yes, and we since, provide services in 14 states. Okay. And since you are a nonprofit, um, that means fundraising. How do you do that? Yes, 
Well, every day we are looking to connect with people that our message resonates with. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of, you know, I'm always encouraged by community volunteers who are willing to step up and say, yep, you know, these are kids that live in my community. They go to school with my kids. They live next door to me. They're, they're a part of who we are. And I'm, you know, I'm fortunate in my life's experience and I'm going to give to others. So, so we're really, I'm always encouraged when I, when I get to meet with some of our donors, you know, we do, we do lots of, you know, that work kind of one-on-one. We have fundraisers that, you know, of course this year, you know, like many others, we had to cancel. So that's created somewhat of a hardship. Um, but, you know, ultimately it's about, you know, building relationships and, and spreading our message and hoping to find more and more people that it resonates with. How can our listeners and the community help? There, there must be ways that we can kind of reach out and, and donate. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, we would love to hear from you if, if any of this has meaning to you. And, you know, you can go um, to our website if you look at youthvillages.org. Um, there's a where we serve and you can click on the Oregon page. You can learn a little bit more about what we're doing. You can find my, you can find my phone number and email address there and you can, you can click donate right there. Um, but, but I'd love to even just have a conversation with you if, if any of this interests you. Um, you know, anybody who does choose to, um, to donate between now and June 30th, um, the, those funds would be matched. We, we got a matching grant from Maybell Clark McDonald Fund, and we're just in the final month of that. So anybody who gives between now and June 30th, um, your, your donation would be matched. Oh, that's great. That's good incentive right there. Yeah. So, Andrew, I kind of want to, we've talked about it, but I kind of want to revisit the, the topic of how do you know that it works? I want to hear some uh, success stories and things that you've, that's proven to you that this, this really works. Yeah, well, let me, let me start by giving, you know, just an example, uh, you know, a sort of a, a child or two that, that we've worked with, and just to give you a sense of it, and then I can talk a little bit more about, you know, the, the research in, into our impact, but, you know, if you think if you think about a 14-year-old boy um, who we once worked with, and he, you know, as a child, he uh, experienced significant exposure to domestic violence um, and had been traumatized as a result of that. Um, you know, the the family worked through um, those those issues for the most part, um, but the trauma in, that the young boy had experienced was still there and and the family didn't have a really good sense of how to work with the behavior that started to emerge um, as the child got a little bit older. You know, he he started to express, you know, high levels of aggression. Um, You know, he he, um, ended, ended up one day, you know, biting one of his family members um, to a point where, you know, a, a piece, you know, it was, it was pretty serious. Um, and, and this young man, you know, was, was heading toward foster care. Um, and, you know, when we, were, when we were called to work with this family, um, we, we started right away to, to look at different ways that they can understand and solve the problems that they were facing. Um, you know, we used an approach called collaborative problem solving that basically starts with this idea that um, children do well when they can. And that's a simple, that's a simple statement, but, but it's contrasted pretty significantly with children do well when they want to. 
And so it, it tells us that it's incumbent on us to help them figure out how to, to solve things like, you know, how to solve problems, how to talk about, you know, these things and how to solve problems, how to, how to deal with frustration tolerance, you know, how, how do families kind of develop the skills to do these kinds of things. So we worked on parenting skills. We um, worked on different kinds of interventions to help the youth gain insight. And by the time, you know, within five or six months, the, the family was, was on track for, for staying together and long-term safety. And, and we were really, you know, pleased to have been a, been a part of that. Um, I could give you, you know, more examples of that, but, but that's just one. Yeah. Um, and so, so what we know is that interventions like this, intensive in-home support that has high levels of structure, you know, we have low caseloads and we have, you know, lots of um, over clinical oversight and consultation. Um, it's, you know, the Intercept program, for example, has been studied um, and, you know, it has shown that families, you know, it, the University of Chicago did a study on Intercept and it showed that families are uh, much more likely to be living safely uh, a year after their, with their work with us than, um, families who got sort of the usual and customary kinds of services. So, you know, that's an example. We've got um, other kinds of research that shows that LifeSet is not only effective, but it actually has a positive return on investment. That's, an, that's another question, right, is if something is great, but you can't afford it, um, then it's harder to access. But, it, you know, we know that LifeSet actually has a positive return on investment because we've studied that. For every, for every dollar that, that, you know, is put into LifeSet, society gets up to, a, you know, a dollar sixty back in, in other kinds of, in avoiding other kinds of, of um, services. So, um, you know, we've got, you know, real-life, day-to-day kinds of um, experience that we see and all the way up through uh, the studies that show impact. Awesome. The evidence is there, and you guys are doing great work. Thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been really helpful information. Great. I'm, I was glad to be here. Thank you. We were talking today with Andrew Grover, Executive Director of Youth Villages, Oregon. Thanks again, Andrew. Let's Talk Portland is an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. 